Afternoon, everybody. The podcast is back under a new name, which is called the Coaches Area Podcast, hosted by myself, Ross Flintoft. It's in association with Title Thinker, where the listener or listeners will be able to have full access, all the areas, to coaches talking about the beautiful game. Today, my special guest is Daniel Conroy. Daniel, how are you? Good, Ross. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, I'm going to kick what off. Uh, what does football or football coaching mean to you? Um, well, football in general does mean a lot to me. Since a young kid, I loved playing football. I loved watching it. I um, loved watching the Premier League, the League of Ireland. Um, and I'm also a diehard United fan, Man United fan. So seeing them growing up, winning Champions League and the Premier Leagues, um, dominating Europe and England was very, very special, yeah, as a kid to watch that. Um, and I suppose with coaching... Um, it means a lot to me, coaching, really, really does. It's a hard question to try to uh, describe because it does really mean a lot. But I suppose it's made me more confident as a person, I think. Okay, yeah. And the likes of even doing something like this, like yeah. before coaching, never in a million years I would try to do something like this. Um, and even speaking to people in groups and stuff like that, um, it sort of found myself a bit. So really, really do. It does mean a lot. Yeah, oh, really does. Good stuff. Um, so you've said about what football or football coaching mean to you. What is... Your coaching journey to date, then what? Where have you been? What you done? What is um, a, a Daniel Conroy session, if you like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Yeah, well, I'm coaching about I'd say nearly four years now, so not probably as long as most people listen, but um, love every minute of it. And um, I started off with an under 16 team, just helping one of my friends. He knew I was interested in getting into coaching, so. He says to me, would you like to come up and give it a go? So me and I got up and was in that session with your man. I just loved it so much. Then the club, Town, that's the club I'm with now, approached me and they asked me would I be interested in taking my own team with another fella, a bit younger age. So at the time, they were under nines. So for me, starting off coaching, I felt that was definitely the best move I could make. Um, starting as young as I can and working myself up. Um, so yeah, I have that team now three and a half years now so we went from 5v5 now we're going into 9v9 but uh, we only had two games of 5v5 because of COVID and then we went to 7v7 for two years and now we're preparing ourselves now for 9v9 this year Uh, What do you like most about coaching? Um, Because I think coaching now you're not just a football coach you're a physio Mm -hmm. you're sometimes a counsellor you're you're like another mom or dad. Um, you're a your parent on on the side, um, as well as just being a football coach. So, what do you think? What do you like most about coaching? That um, kind of you think that you you can't wait to get to a session, or you can't wait to get to a a, a match day, um, and yeah, just what do what 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 do you like most about it? Yeah, I love meeting new people. I love um, I love away games. So. Most of our games would probably be in the Dublin area. So I'd love going away to away games into different clubs, seeing what way they set up their facilities and just meeting new teams. Um, and I suppose seeing kids develop, so seeing the team that I'm with now that I have about three and a half years from under nines to now, and just seeing the progression over the last couple of years has been really, really good. So it's great to see that, you know, that your hard work is sort of paying off. Yeah. And um, yeah, that would be really it. That's that. That's the thing is where that's like cliche, isn't it? 
but if you put the hard work in, it does really pay off. Um, it does really pay off to like parents can see what you're doing, the players can see what you're doing, uh, the club can, your assistant coach can, or your co-coach can, and and hopefully like you like you've just said, you as a coach can see that natural progression from was it under nines to. Under nines now to go into under twelves this year. So from that national oh, progression, it's a process, from... it is a process sorry. Yeah. But um, you can see it paying off a little bit from where I've started with them to now. Yeah, definitely. So that's great to see. Yeah, who has been the biggest influence on your coaching and Daniel uh, to date, or the biggest influence probably is moving forward? It could be, I don't know, might be a football player, might be again a football coach that you kind of really admire. You kind of think well. I kind of want to try to go down that route to not so much copy them or not so much want to be like them because it's only, there's only one of that coach and one of, of you. But I just like to think, uh, just like to know about what it's who is who has you been your biggest influence in coaching. For me, my biggest influence would probably be the Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley. Now okay. a lot of people in England might not understand uh, know them, but um. Everyone in Ireland could relate to Stephen Bradley. I just think he's a fantastic manager. Um, his style of play is amazing. He likes to keep possession of the ball. He also he loves to penetrate as quick as he can on goal. Um, they play out from the back, which I try to get my lads to do as well. And just him, himself, you watch him like, and just how calm and collective he is as a person. It's great to see. And you see that the team and himself, it's all natural. There's nothing there. What can I say? There's nothing there that you'd think, oh, is there something wrong there? And everything looks natural. Everybody's real calm. And um, for the last three or four years now, he's really been dominating Irish football. The Shamrock Rovers have won three three titles in a row. So even to have that consistency of every year coming back hungry to win another title is amazing. Um, they played 25 games this year and they're already five points clear. So they, look, they could be looking to get four in a row this year. So... Okay. When I see teams like Pep Guardiola with Man City, uh, teams that win a year after year, it's it's something special because to have that hunger to keep going again, to keep winning, is, is amazing to see, really is. Yeah, because sometimes if you've won that big trophy, that title, some there's a mindset where, right, we've won it, we can relax now. But like even um, on with like Manchester United lads, it was like, well, in the... In the Prem, so it was like Ferdinand, Scholes, Keane, Gary Neville, uh, Giggs, uh, Rooney. It was like, well, what's the next one that we can what uh, that we can win? What's mm. the next? Uh, what's the next um, trophy that that's out there that we can win? Where that's that? If, yeah, we've won the Champions League. We've got the FA Cup to win. We've got the um, the Champions League. We've got the Premier League. We might have a League Cup. What's that? That's it's it's always that. What's the next? Yeah. yeah. What's next? Um, which kind of hopefully reignites them. So Man City next year might try to win the quad ruble. I think they could probably do that. Yeah. They've won the treble this year. Hopefully they can win the win the can the quad ruble with the. It's like players, players as well. You'd see like managers. a lot of people would say, say the player had a good season. And they would say, oh, he's great, he go for so much money, and then he goes to a different team, and then he just downs tools. But like when you see them players that year after year, yeah. consistently at the same level for 5, 10, 15 years, they're, that's top players. Is that what you think would you would call um, a great player, 
Premier League legends being banned and yeah. bound some um these days. Um what you need or like any young listener, well hopefully there's young listeners, there's more experienced listeners, there's male female listeners to the to the part hopefully. Or could just be me could just be me or you. <laughs> um but like what do you think or what would you could pass on to young players like that the team that you have now? What is that special kind of quality trait to have year in, year out? Is it the consistency or is it you, you do everything from you eat right, you you sleep right, uh, you drink right uh, you, and you perform every day in training, you perform every day in match, that kind of... What do you think that... What do you think? That yeah, I suppose is? it's a bit of both. Like we do, always talk to our lads about preparation is key. That we don't need probably have them on a Tuesday and a Thursday, which is two hours a week, and then we have our match. So it's important that when they're at home, that they're practicing as much as they can when they get a chance and stuff like that. So yeah, consistency is a big one as well. So you need to just keep it going. And if you win something, forget about it. That's in the history now. It's what you do now in the future that will make you great again. So that's what you need to be doing. I think yeah. So how's the uh, pre-season been at your club from the group yeah. that you've been uh, been with now to when and when do you start your season? We only started pre-season this week um, oh, right, on, okay. Tuesday, on Thursday actually sorry we only started because a couple of our lads are in a couple of uh, summer camps and stuff like that so we waited till they finished that and then we started then on Thursday we were supposed to start Tuesday but the, the weather in Dublin at the minute is yeah. terrible so Terrib- rain, rain, rain the whole July. Terrible here in the northeast of yeah. England where I am. Um, it's supposed to be so summer, really but it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, really so we're moving on to like session planning and and and, and design now. Uh, what is a Daniel Conroy typical session, or what is your favourite session, or what is a session where you can get the the players really good and you and, and you enjoy most about that session. <laughs> Yeah, well, for me, when I'm designing a session, the first thing I would think of is, is a game related? So, will I see this in a game? So, if I'm watching their training, would that relate to something that would happen on the weekend? That's the very first thing I'd be thinking of when I'm designing any session. Um, and I suppose it's just, it's having a plan, really. Um, not moving on. So, I was a bit, myself, when I'd only started off, I'd probably work on attacking for a week. Then I'd move on to something else, something else the week after. But they're not really getting the chance to develop that, topic that we're talking about so um for me it's just, yeah, don't be a real reactive coach where say you see something happen in the game and you're saying oh i need to do that next week now you might have to you might see it once or twice and you're like okay we might work on that but if you do do it for a week or so and then get back into your plan yeah. of what way you want to do it so for us at the minute we're working on we'll be working on counter pressing for two or three weeks just to get them back into things and then we'll do four weeks of blocks where we could be working attacking but there's plenty to do on attacking we're attacking in wide areas the f- attacking the final towards so there's loads of little subjects you can do on it but I think for anybody that's starting off because um, I can just relate to myself the way I felt there's so much information out there now that you can literally click anything and you could get thousands and thousands of videos of stuff so for me for anybody is it's just just think of a topic that you want to work on stick to that topic even if it's not working maybe you need to tweak a few things but keep on it and just keep working on that as much as you can and you'll see kids then progressing as much as they can but work try work on everything the likes of attacking defending all that sort of stuff keeping possession and um, 
Yeah, and that'd be really it. I just always really, really do always keep to a topic for a couple of weeks. Whereas before I wouldn't. Um, I just pick something off YouTube. Okay, that looks good. You go well. You do it on the pitch with the lads, and you're like, "Why isn't this working?" Well, you're probably looking at adults doing it, where it's different to kids doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. it's getting to understand your team as well to realize what your team can do and what's the best for them to progress. Yeah. For me, that is that's sometimes people's mistake, and I know that was my mistake because I thought when I was younger, starting out coaching, um, if I see. Men adults do it. And then I thought, well, then it'll be good for the youngsters because youngsters will be able to pick up on the men's stuff. But that's entirely completely different different how the kids and the adults think about stuff. The adults can see things faster, quicker, move the ball quicker, or maybe fitter, whatever it might be. But then the the kids take a little bit of time. They want to dribble more. They want to score goals themselves a little bit selfish at times um and things like that so i kind of had to adjust my kind of coaching or what i was looking at to like what you've said to kind of relate what it looks like on a match yeah. day or Break it down it, to certain parts and work with that yeah or it does what it looks like playing football is it is a direction is there some opposition is it interference does it does it ebb and flow um Things like that. So, but yeah. I, I I put out on um Twitter on the on the coaches share question, um. About, are your sessions, well my sessions from when I've been looking back. When I was younger, are slightly better than the sessions that, that I'm doing now. It must be just because I'm a le- experience and think well right that that goes with that one that goes with this group this goes with with whatever group it is but putting probably it's like because i you normally do i normally do like four sessions kind of but i was just doing like one at a time back so it was like kind of i think i was a little bit slower and more methodical back then um now it's just with the experience and, and, and things i've i've had now it's like right that that'll go there that'll go here that might work well, like more or less, it was trial and error. Now for Most me, um, but back then it was more like a, not so much an autocratic type of session, it was more of a um, guided discovery probably, but without having that, <coughs> excuse me, without having that coaching continuum. Um, back then, looking back now, I was doing more guided discovery back then but it's more of a trial and error now it's just just weird how it works out especially for me as i've got older um, and just trying to work out with different things different ages abilities and adults male female players stuff like that but yeah um so what do you think um if there's anybody like you volunteering at a a club who was young who've got maybe like if under nines or a younger group and wanted to put a session or a couple of sessions, or a curriculum together for them or for their club. What kind of um, steps do you need, or what kind of advice could you give to them, younger coaches? Might be, might be an experienced coach, might be male or female, mum or dad, thinking, well, I've been on the playmaker course. I'm going to get them that introduction to level one. What type of things do I need? What type of things do I need help with? Or what advice can you give them? This day, right. 
this is the starting blocks of the curriculum what what you need to add in so it looks like a proper curriculum for that season maybe mm. yeah but look at, as i said like for me starting off as he said there's so much stuff you can go through like really really is you click youtube and you get millions of things so you can get very flustered in what to do and stuff like that <clears throat> but if, if people that are probably starting off i would say to them to sort out a plan understand what you want to work on and then i suppose if you do need to pick stuff which is okay picking stuff off youtube or picking stuff that's no problem we all do it we can do it with our own little twigs maybe with your own team of what should be done right or stuff but for me yeah stick to a plan work on that plan for a couple of weeks three four weeks even if you think that they're doing well in it maybe twig it a bit more a bit more harder bring the spaces in a bit more on the pitch or smaller goals or anything like that um because it can be can be very hard to try what will i what will i do this week so when i realized that just it's a process that you need to work for a couple of weeks on a certain topic when you work on that topic you feel that topic has bedded into the lads asking lots of questions about it then you'd move on and maybe move on to something else and then you know if you are going to youtube or going to twitter or anything to look for uh, session plans or anything like that. You know then, okay, this week we're working on attacking. So you know you can narrow it down to just attacking. You can find things then on attacking that you can put into. So that would be really my advice on it, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And how often do you reflect? Because I think nowadays reflection is a big part of the planning process. So how often do you, th do you think or do you reflect on certain practices or certain games do you have a view for for analysis, um, and you do you do that, or does is that a little bit too young for your players that you're working with, and uh, would would you just move that open age group or leave that till like, I don't know when they get to fifteen, sixteen, seventeen when they're playing eleven v eleven football. No, I think video on it is great because you would see a lot of things that you might not notice because you know on a match day. You're in the zone, so there's a lot of things that you might not notice on the pitch where, as you can look back in the video, you might see something that, okay, that's happened for two or three weeks. Maybe I need to chat to him, to the certain player about this, or maybe we need to work on this. As I said, work on something for a couple of weeks that's out of your plan and then get back into what you should be doing. Um, we had a bit of VEO last year. There was a couple of clubs that um, we played away in that had it. And um, I think our club, we had a meeting there a couple of months ago and we're talking about getting it this year. So I'd be definitely for it, 100% to look back and see stuff. And in terms of session plans, I uh, I always write session plans down. And when I come home or else the next day, I would reflect on it. If there's something in my head at the time that I'm like, OK, I might forget that tomorrow when I'm, when I'm writing down my reflection. I'll just write on my phone to know then that I have to go back and put it down on a piece of paper so yeah i definitely would reflect on stuff and see what way you feel the team is progression because as i said you can get caught up in things very quick so you could be working on something two weeks ago and now you're so zoned into what you're working on now that you completely forget what happened then so it's good that you have that piece of paper to go back and see exactly then what happened and stuff like that yeah brilliant um great great kind of use of like the session planning and great kind of use of the reflection time that you have with your players there um so we're looking at the age group formats on a match day and how can or how could smaller game formats help either with your planning design or how help how can it be help more on island because i know obviously in england where where i'm based is the format is 5v5, 7v7, 9v9, 
11 v 11. And when I started playing football at under 11s, it was massive goals, massive strips. That um, I, I can't remember the size. Ball might have been a size five, I can't remember. Um, I don't think it was age-appropriate football when I was playing. Um, and the goals and the spaces and the distances just seemed massive. Um, I don't know what it's like today playing 5v5 or 7v7 or 9v9 leading up to 11v11 because I just went bang straight in 11v11 mm. um, and I just thought that was football 11v11 11 aside there was no going nine, no, there was nothing in place for 9v9 mm. or 7v7 when I was younger um, so do you do you think having a match day um, age group formats and how could it be smaller um, formats can do you think that helps the eleven side game a lot more or do you, would you rather just go bang straight in eleven side and teach the game to your players that way no I think it's very very crucial that kids from a young age are putting small pitches smaller goals and stuff like that um, with small side of games there's loads of transitions there's loads of goals they're up and down the pitch all day long um, it's great to see because they're getting so many touches, the area is small, and as you get that bit older, the area will start getting out a bit bigger, goals will start getting bigger. Um, but yeah, I do have one issue, and that is going, so now we're going into 9v9 under 12s, but next year then, we'll be preparing straight away for 11v11. Okay. Whereas between 8 and 9, you're 5v5, 10 and 11 over here, you're 7v7, and then under 12s, you're only 9v9. So I don't get why why we can't do two years at 9v9 because at the end of the day it's a small side of game 9v9 so there's let more touches that kids are going to get on the ball the goals are slightly a bit of an issue because i'd say under 13 kids going into 9v9 goals which are probably still 77 goals that's slightly an issue but the smaller pitch means more touches on the ball and and i just think it's anti-development i really really do i don't think i don't know why the big rush is for everybody to want to go from 9v9 straight into 11v11. So for me, kids probably haven't developed because most kids going under 13s would be probably 12 years of age. So their bodies haven't really developed, their legs haven't developed, trying to run up and down a big, huge pitch all day long. And then the poor goalkeepers as well. Like some goalkeepers would be tiny. And you just have people then, I've seen it, like I've never coached at 11v11, but there's a club literally right outside my house, there's a field there with a club, and I go and watch games, walk the dog, bring the baby down, watch watch certain games. And I'd see under 13s play and some keepers in the goal, and all the players on the other team are doing is literally just chipping off his head and scoring into the goal. For that kid then in goal, it's making him isolated, all his mate, teammates are, why, why did you let that in or anything like that, but... For me, they just have to stay for two years at 9v9, I feel. I really, really do. The big rush of going, like you're losing lots of more transitions, we're losing more touches on the ball, we're losing more goals because these kids are only 12 and they're trying to get up and down a big pitch all day long. For some kids, they might not like that and they might just pull out. So it'd be interesting to see what would the stats be for kids going from, say, came into under-14s, that did they stay on to go under-14s? Because I feel that kids wouldn't not much kids would go on because it's it's so big like you see it it's terrible these kids are only 12 i know they're playing under 13s but to be only 12 years of age they're not even a teenager yet so bringing them into the adult game that young um for me it's a bit stupid i just think that they should get two years at 9v9 
and then progress then at under 14s then they can go in their bodies have developed a bit more maybe the keepers have got a bit taller um, so yeah I just really really that is a big I don't, I don't understand it like I don't know why yeah. I've never really got an answer of why we do two years at every format and then when we get to under 12s we just jump straight in at under 13s to 11 by 11 I think two years is definitely because even when having my lads at 7 by 7 the first year under 10s there was a lot of more things I seen better at under 11s because they understand the game after playing it for a year or so. So seeing them then doing other things was amazing because they had a fantastic season last season. So going now from 9v9, we're sort of preparing ourselves, which you should probably be in anyway, preparing yourself for the 11, the 11 game. But uh, to think that the lads I have now, and just looking at them, to think that this time next year I'm preparing them to get into them big goals, it's, it's crazy to think. It really, yeah. really is. Because I think it's... 12 and 13 in England, I know probably someone listening will probably correct us if I'm wrong here, but I think under 12 and under 13s, they play 9v9 in England. Hmm. And then from under 14, it's 11 aside from 15, 16, 17 and in the adult football. So hopefully it can come into um, the Irish FA where it, they have that 12, 13 that two year group, uh the the two year groups do play nine v nine. Um because yeah. like like as you're speaking there, I think you're so passionate about the development of the kids' football in Ireland. Um yeah, then hopefully they kinda of look at that and think, well, from seven I know it's only two players but from seven v seven to nine v nine in the pitch size, it's massive. Like you say, it's and massive. Goals, even the goals are goals. Yeah, <laughs> mass like double width of the probably seven aside um, goals, and like you've said, it's so strange and so kind of not so much false, but like the need a good two, three, four year maybe to get some players. To get handle of the space, handle of pressure, handle of whatever everything. it might be, everything, yeah. So yeah. by playing two or th- two years in Ireland, like the like we do in England, under twelve, uh, under thirteen at nine v nine. Um, I think it might go from under elevens, twelve, thirteens, nine v nine in England, and then from under fourteen all the way up to under sixteen and reserve in adult football as eleven aside. You've so many years, you've 14 up, you've all right up to an adult to play yeah. at 11 So, yeah. the big rush of getting them there, I don't understand it really. Like, no. because we're just we're just losing so much in the game, we're losing so much decision making and all that sort of stuff. Pitches are too big, kids are fed up because they're after running up and down, say yeah. in the first half, they're wrecked, so they're yeah. not even thinking what they're doing in the second half because their concentration is gone. Yeah, so yeah, it just doesn't make sense for me at all, really. Um. How 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 do you think? Um, I don't know what it's like in in Ireland, but with the English FA, we have like kind of county FAs, mm. and the county FAs, um, put on some unbelievable CPD stuff, um, around the area where I live and in, in, in further uh, areas, from where I live as well, out of, out of out of the fields, of the from like Durham area where I am and, and, and Northumberland area put on some fantastic CBE courses and I just want to know 
do the Irish FA put that on for your clubs? And how can the, and how would you think, the Irish FA could probably help, this on coaching courses with going from the formats that big jump from seventy seven to bang nine v nine. How do you think the CBDs could look like or could shape, the coaching courses or coaching courses can shape the CPDs to help coaches kind of and the players kind of get over or try to bridge the gap from 77 to 9v9 yeah well over here there we so there'll be courses main courses like national d license there could be um all sorts of stuff like that there's a lot of workshops they do say 7v7 workshop 9v9 workshop but like when you do say just for instance for me because i'm going into 9v9 so i done the 9v9 workshop a couple of months back but then that's really it there's no really other course to relate to 9v9. So for me, seeing a bit more of maybe, okay, you've done a 7v7 workshop or a 9v9. Okay, there's other teams here you can do that relates to that workshop you've done. That would I'd like because you do forget. You forget after a while. Like the 7v7 one I done about two years ago, completely forget what, what, what was even going on in it. But to have something else then just underneath that to help you out, say, with 7v7. So it might be like, um, and managers meet in, in say, well, the DDSL, that's what we play in. It's a sort of league. It's Dublin District School by League. So for them to have maybe, okay, we're working on 77 workshops, so you could come in, maybe coaches could come in, have meetings and talk about it. More coaches could interact about it. That would be a big thing for me. Um, but for anyone that probably is starting off, that's doing coaching courses, I would I would definitely recommend it, most definitely. Um, even if you're taking something small from a course, that's something that you can take into your locker or your toolbox and bring it with you. So um, I would definitely, definitely recommend. And it's great to interact with coaches, all different coaches, talk to them, how they're getting on the season, knowing that you're probably not the only team that's losing games and stuff like that. So it's great, yeah. I would really highly recommend doing CPDs, doing workshops, doing coaching courses and for the FAI maybe to do a bit more in relation to if I do a 99 workshop, okay, there's something else you can follow back on yeah, to some more, talk about that specific format or some more, like that. Some more like development or support around the 9v9 yeah. game. And, and, Not and, just one workshop, okay, that's done, see yeah. you, goodbye, on to the next one. Yeah. Maybe um, something else to follow back on, okay, in six months' time you can do this or there'll be a questionnaire or something like that or people can meet together and talk about it. Definitely something like that would be great, yeah. Yeah. For definitely. me anyway. Um so what does the season look like for you and your team? I know I know you've just come back, but is there any um season objectives that the club has or for you or 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 the players playing? What are they like to achieve Because everyone loves to win trophies, medals, certificates, this, that, no that, whatever it might be. But what do the do the do the do the players have their own individual learning plans or do they own have their individual targets or where they want to be with the with the club that they're playing for or the team that they're playing for or is it just mainly for fun and then when you get in the lemon side, right, bang, this is the time to to kick on now and, and, and try to kind of have football as a, as a serious thing and you'll want to win things when you get older. You want to win medals, trophies, whatever, certificates, what, whatever it might be. But until that time comes, let's play for a little bit of fun. And that's sometimes where the parents don't get it, where you lose three, four, five games in the opening season and the parents kind of get, oh, well, I want to take my 
my uh, son daughter out and then put them in the team that's uh, that, that's winning every week and that's not yes no. son daughter will trophies win cups get recognised this and that and other but is it actually helping their development as a footballer or is it harming their development as, as a footballer by winning stuff at an early age I don't know it's just a kind of question that I'm, I'm posing to you and I'm posing to the wider audience the wider the wider listeners yeah, well, this year under 12s, it's the first year that, um, so in a game, there'll be three points, there's league tables, where last year there wasn't any of that, it was just basically all friendlies. Um, and for me, it's just, it's getting the lads just to understand the game a bit more, most definitely, which every year I've been with them, I've been trying to get them to understand a lot more, and especially now, 9v9 understanding, so offsides are going to come into effect now. Now, in terms of offsides, I wouldn't be going crazy on uh, drilling them, this is what you do, this is this. Like I, I think kids nowadays understand stuff like that with technology and stuff like that, watching games. There's probably with, a couple of little things that you'd have to talk about, most with, definitely. But it probably comes in with f- playing FIFA and probably his football manager. Yeah, yeah most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really what I would think, yeah. For us, I'd probably... We had a great season last year. Now, I know it's not about winning, as you said, and I'm 100% behind that. It's all about developing the kids, especially at a young age and getting them into that, into 11 11 then when they get that bit older. But we we played three tournaments. No, sorry, we played four tournaments last year and we won three of them and we lost one penalties. But we went away to Holland, to Eindhoven, to a tournament and that the club do every year. They're doing it for the last 10, 15 years and bringing all different teams, all different age groups over, which was fantastic. We won the tournament, so we were the first team in the club to win it, which was amazing. Um, Really, really good experience for the lads. Now, I know it's not about winning at that age, but to see the smiles, to see the joy from their parents, to see, like, it it was amazing. It really, really was. Um, We only conceded one goal in the whole tournament, which was a tough tournament. We played all different countries, the likes of Belgium, Germany, France, England, loads of different countries. Um, And then just... Coming home then, we got a little... Some of the parents were in the airport and stuff like that as we got off. And seeing the smiles on the parents' face and also the kids' faces was outstanding for the whole thing. Something I will never, ever forget. And I don't think the kids will ever forget either because it was a really, really enjoyable weekend. Um, the tournament was really run to, to really, really good. Trinitas is the tournament. It's in Eindhoven. Um, and it was some fantastic facilities. Loads and loads of teams at all different levels. But it was a really, really enjoyable weekend. And, um, yeah, something I'll never, ever forget. So do you think I've kind of got this, not so much, uh, but yeah, it is a bit of a question or this kind of theory that does, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I'm going to pose a question here. Does winning breed development? Um, it's good to win for kids. Every kid wants to win. We know that for a fact. There's no kid that wants to go out and not win. For me, if I see in like a, a small side of games, so say if I wanted to bring someone on, but we were winning 1-0 in the game, and I says, oh, I'm not going to bring him on, I don't think like that at all. I would definitely go down the road of get him on. Yes, if we draw, if we lose, we learn from that, and we'll move on to the next game. So for me, for kids, winning is everything. As we know, they love yeah. winning. Kids yeah. love winning. Um, but for me, it's not all about winning for me. No, it's about developing the kid, understanding the game as much as he possibly can. So when they get up to that 11 v 11 game, do you understand, okay, my roles, my responsibilities on the pitch, and um, what's going on, stuff like that. And I suppose we always tell the lads that, look, it always has to be positive. Everything has to be positive because 
we always say to the lads, if your teammate lost the ball and you turn around to your teammate and says, why did you do that? Why did you kick it that way? The next time that person gets the ball, he's going to think in his head, okay, I have to make sure I do the right the right pass here because I'm going to get shit with that again. Whereas you should be encouraging them the whole time. So if you lose the ball, okay, keep going, keep going what you're doing, you'll get it. That gives them more encouragement, more positivity, more confidence then to play the game properly. So we're really, really... um. We really, really break down into the likes of you need to be positive on the pitch between all your teammates, respectful to the referee, respectful to your to your team, the opposition. So that's the sort of team we are. Um, and I like that. I love that about the team. That I'd be, I'd love that more than actually probably watching them win games or anything like that, to see them going over, talking to other uh, teams or shaking their hands or fighting for their teammates, anything like that. Really, really love, yeah. That's really, really do like that. Um, again, as I've seen some of the like coaching videos that you've done on social media. So are you going to be delivering any more coaching videos on social media? And what does and what has that done for you? Say confidence or you say awareness of your coach? Because I used to do some sort of CPD for my work with my work colleagues and some CPD on Twitter. It was opened up. Um, it was good, bad and different, whatever it might be, but it was just trying to get yourself out there and trying to self-promote you as a, f- as a football coach. And it's not because you know everything. It's not because you're arrogant or whatever it might be. It was just trying to help people. I love helping people. This is what Tattle think I my, my my coaching business like kind of does or want to come across to feel that it does for for people and, and help people with either questions queries whatever about coaching i don't have the full answers you still learn as a coach there's no perfect coach out there well obviously if you pep guardiola probably but he's still learning and, and, and evolving i just want to know um are you going to start any of any more coaching videos over the next season or pre- I know you're busy with obviously family commitments and uh, team commitments and probably work commitments but it was great to see that someone else was taking some of the a grassroots coach was taking and, and making that leap of faith um, and just jumping in and, and, and doing stuff but the criticism or whatever criticism it might be but it has to be constructive criticism can't go on Twitter and go, Daniel, well, that's crap. That wouldn't happen. That wouldn't work. It's your beliefs. It's your team. It's you, what you think. And I just, again, I know I've said this twice, three times now. Are there any more coaching videos going to be available on Twitter? I think I will, yeah. I would really would like to. So the, the coaching videos I've done was on the 9v9 game. So really what I wanted to get out of it was just to get people's feedback on the formation that I was talking about and... Is there any pros or cons that people have at 9v9 done already to let me know and stuff like that? And it was really, really just to get me out of my comfort zone as well. Yeah. Um, when I started this year, I, so I always set little goals for myself every season. And at the end of last year, I said to myself that I'm going to try to do a couple of videos, put them online, get out of my comfort zone, see what I think of it. And um, I felt good about it. Really, really did. It felt good. Posting the video, it felt good getting uh, comments back off people, including yourself. Great comments, positive comments. 
So I would like to do them again. As you say, football and uh, training and the likes of family life and work does get in the way sometimes. But most definitely I will and do a few more. I'd like to do a few more on the likes of people that are starting out because I know how daunting it can be for people. Because the people that are thinking at the start of, oh, what do I do? They're the people that are they're worrying about how can I develop this kid. So they're caring about the kids. They want this kid to develop, but they don't probably know or understand how to start off doing it. So I would like to do stuff like that, most definitely, because I understand I can relate to myself um, about it. And then just... um. I'd like to say a big thank you to you as well for just giving me this platform to speak. Not a lot of grassroots coaches to get a platform to speak on something like this. So um, I really, really do appreciate you doing stuff like that. I'm only coaching three or four years. So to have you, the likes of yourself ask me to do a podcast, it was out of my comfort zone. But I hope that other people that are only starting off coaching and stuff like that can relate to this to realise that just try it. Just give it a go. See what happens. Because... Um, yeah, it's great. It's really, really amazing. The videos is great. This pod, this chat today was great. And thank you for giving me that platform to speak about that. That's so fine. Amazing. Not a problem. Like like I say, I loved kind of other people um, doing some some stuff. It's not just you. So say like um, with the Discord channel that we've, that we're, bo- that we're both yeah, on. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's, it's, it, it always seems to be and I know it's other people do stuff, you've put some stuff on and, and whatever, but it always seems to me the kind of, the catalyst to like drive everything where it should be different people and I wanted to be different people. And when I seen your video or when you contacted me about, I was going to put this up, I was going to do this on Twitter and, and whatever it was and, and, and I commented back, I absolutely loved it because I thought, Fantastic! It, again, it's not just it's not just me. Sometimes it's 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 other people doing it, and I know other people have done it in the past who are like pro coaches, who are a licensed coaches, stuff like that. But it would be great to see on Twitter, which is more of a football kind of environment, kind of people on there um, doing it. It would be great, and I know again, it's it, it's hard because other people have commitments stuff like that and, and whatever but it'll be great to see from grassroots coaches to UFA B coaches UFA A coaches pro license coaches maybe trying to get on and, and share stuff on on Twitter and I think that that's how Twitter could work is yeah for a football uh more of a football community I know obviously um I don't know if you know about coaches share Sunday share sorry yeah on, on, on Sunday Amazing. which is Amazing. fantastic in- initiative and i would love people to to go on there if you haven't already follow that because that is class i've shared some stuff you've shared class. some stuff yeah I've everyone's that. really really good every- i love it on a sunday waking up to now yeah. can look through that just seeing people what they're talking about and stuff yeah. like that really really good 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 page good fantastic yeah um thinking about comfort zones how important is it to either have a comfort zone that you're kind of comfortable in, but trying to get out of it slowly. And how does that, and how do you feel that kind of has improved you as a coach? So doing the videos on Twitter, having about four or five years experience of coaching and doing the stuff on Twitter, like, like you've done the, the, the coaching session videos on 9v9. How has that kind of brought you out of your comfort zone now? Then you can, you know, 
speaking at a, a crowd of people of a hundred people, two hundred people, whatever it might be, or your sessions on a Tuesday, Thursday. How how's that improve you getting out of that comfort zone by doing those sort of videos? It's fantastic, Ross. It really, really is. To I suppose when you're in your comfort zone, um, for me. I wanted to try, I love, I love coaching, absolutely love it. Always trying to progress, always trying to learn as much as I can. And the thing I love about coaching is that there's always something to learn. There's never, oh, he knows everything. Never that. There's always something to learn. So getting out of your comfort zone, I would recommend to people to try something different, most definitely, because you'll learn a lot about yourself. You'll also learn of what you're talking about, of other people might tell you, okay, this works or this doesn't work. Um, and that's great. And it's just... When I done the uh, video, I'd load the coaches then the, um, direct messaging me uh, saying it was a fantastic. And I still talk to these coaches today. There's a coach I talked to in um, Barcelona. His name is Neil. Um, he'd be okay with me talk, saying his name. I won't say his second name. But fantastic fella. Since the minute I've started, anytime I've ever had a question about anything around like that, always there to speak to. Just like a little mentor. Always there to do stuff. And to help me out in a situation that I might need. Just great little advice and stuff like that. So it's been fantastic. Um, just getting out of your comfort zone really, really is. Because you can learn so much about yourself by doing it. Brilliant. Daniel, thanks very much for your time. Um, you. I'll, I'll not keep you this long because I know it's a Sunday. Um, and I know you have got a family. So you, you probably need to go back to them. And they'll probably be asking when when you're coming back in and, and things like that. But again, fantastic to listen to you. Um, loved it. Um, and thanks very much for coming on. Um, it's been brilliant. So thanks. Thanks again. Thank you very much.